You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 50. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you are well. I seriously cannot believe that it is the 50th podcast that I am recording. I have been recording these things for almost a year now, and wow, time flies, and life is so good. And that's a thought, you know, life is always so good because I'm alive, and every morning that I wake up is a day to acquire virtue and live out my mission with God. He has dreams for me and you to be a saint, and every day is a new day to work on that as best as we can. We fail a lot, I get it, but... I love to compare myself from year to year, and I've come a long way and have a long way to go too, but I am still trying my best and learning so much every day about this journey that we are on called life. It's amazing. One of the most important things that God has taught me these last few years in developing this delay and pray group coaching program for spiritual fasting is that dieting doesn't work. It can be a rather selfish kind of mentality that keeps us stuck if you've been operating in that mindset like me for years. It took me a while to get out of it. And there's little times that I still have some of that mentality within me that kind of makes it hard. And spiritual fasting, on the other hand, now that includes intermittent fasting and the delay of high dopamine triggering substances like sugar, flour, and alcohol. The reason why spiritual fasting is the answer is because it is God-focused and relies on the sacraments for grace to actually do it. Spiritual fasting is about working out your salvation with God by utilizing your weight struggles as gift. So this is a shift in mentality. It is really looking at your body as gift. I mean, right now, as made in the image and likeness of God. It is amazing. This is about filling your soul with God's grace, my friends, and learning some good knowledge of how he created our bodies just perfectly to fuel your intellect about what is happening in your body and your mind. This is where there is no diet wagon to fall off of. This is a journey. Your task in spiritual fasting is to fill up your soul with graces from God while you ditch that diet mentality and try something brand spanking new. Okay, so on this podcast, I want to share an interview I was honored to be asked to be a part of with Megan Groutman. She's from the Fiat Institute, and this institute is an education program for hormone coaches, and they wanted me to share the more Catholic approach to intermittent fasting, which I thought was amazing. So I said yes. It was a wonderful conversation, so I thought I would share it with you this week. It's always better to focus on improving both your body and soul rather than race to be a certain size. Okay, so we know that in spiritual fasting. Getting healthy in body and soul is so important to becoming a saint. So let's do it together. Enjoy the episode. 
Welcome, everyone, to the latest podcast of Phil, the Fiat Institute Learning Library. I'm filling in for Jamie today. My name is Megan Grotman. I'm one of the TAs for the Fiat Institute, and we have with us Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. So, Beth, I'm just going to hand it over to you right away. would love to hear a little introduction about yourself. So, yeah, my name is Beth Bubeck, and I am a degreed engineer from Purdue University. I am also a Catholic high school math teacher. I was back in the day. And I've done a lot of different things. I've worn a lot of different hats raising my children. I have three adult children now in their 20s, two grandchildren just this year, married to my husband, Mike, for 33 years, going on 34. And we are devout Catholics. I'm from a huge Catholic family. I'm the youngest out of eight. And it has been a wonderful ride. It hasn't always been perfect, but it has been great. So basically what happened to me, how I started this whole spiritual fasting is really what it is, is that I had seen my aunts, which were my mom's sisters, spiritual fasting, they would call it. They would fast on bread and water on Wednesdays and Fridays because they went all around the world to the apparitions of Mary, mother of God, where she had appeared. So they would go to these places and they would come back and they'd sit and have coffee with my mom. And they would just talk about how they were trying to fast on bread and water and they weren't thin (laughs) and they would quite a bit of bread and water. And I was like, interesting. This is so interesting. So I was little and I wanted to spiritually fast. And they would say, we can stop wars. We have to cast the demons out by prayer and fasting. And so all of these things I had been listening to as I was growing up. And I was like, I want to do that. Now flip over to the other side of my life where I have four older sisters, four and three brothers, and they are dieting. So I went on my first diet in fifth grade and I could always see them dieting. And this is when like the first diet pop came out called tab, if you ever remember that. So I didn't know what was happening to me like unconsciously, but like I was taking in this diet mentality. So I had the spiritual fasting over here and I had this diet mentality over here and I didn't put them together until I went to the life coach school, but my body was doing this and my soul was over here doing this. And even after I had my children, I was always trying to figure out the diet. I was a chronic dieter. So I just happened in about 2017 to listen to this podcast of the Life Coach School with Brooke Castillo. And she was talking about mindset work and her early stuff was all about weight loss and that weight loss was not only about the food, but it was also about your mindset. And I was cluing in and I was just riveted by what she was saying. So I would wait for every podcast to drop and I would walk around the neighborhood and listen to her. And it was phenomenal. And I thought she has something here. And so as I started to loosely use it in my life, I wasn't being coached at the time. I was using the thought model, which is what we call CTFAR, which is your circumstances of your life. And then your thought is what you think of it. And then your thoughts lead to feelings, feelings lead to actions, actions lead to results. So in the end, your thoughts always lead to your results. So I was kind of studying this and decided I'm going to jump in and be a coach. (laughs) I was actually in corporate sales at the time. And while I was doing my corporate sales work full-time, I decided to become certified as a coach. And I wanted to make sure that it had Christian and Catholic principles because it seemed good. It just seemed so good, but it's a little new agey sometimes. So I jumped into this Catholic life coach school, which is called Metanoia Catholic at the same time. So I had my full-time corporate job and I had these two things going on. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, it's body, soul, composite. We are body, soul, composite from head to toe. And you cannot possibly have permanent weight loss and health 
unless you bring God into it. Oh, it's like this big light bulb went on. The other thing was that I never thought of dieting as health. I always thought I wanted to be thin. I never thought healthy. And then of course, hormones never even put one thought into the hormone part of it. And so that was really interesting. And so that's what the life coach schools did for me was put the body and soul composite together and put this whole thought of weight loss together with health and major insulin hormone. So that's the hormone that I teach a lot about is insulin. And um, I also teach a lot about dopamine. So those are the two hormones. That's a wonderful journey. Wow, Beth. And so many pieces of the puzzle that you've been able to fit together to help you give this more holistic approach to health of understanding we are body and soul composite. I like that language. So you did say, though, that kind of started out with, it seemed like there was this idea of the spiritual fasting that seemed to initially captivate you. Will you share a little bit more about that? Yes, yes. So I knew early on that spiritual fasting was going without food for a period of time for a spiritual purpose, like a spiritual breakthrough or fasting for another soul. Or my aunts would talk about helping their own kids get back to mass. So what you're doing is it's a type of redemptive suffering. You're denying yourself food and that suffering that you're enduring in that time is you're actually offering up to Jesus, uniting it to his suffering to help those people that you want to help, whatever that spiritual intention is. So for my aunts, it was normally getting their own children back to mass or helping a war in the Middle East or something in our country or a financial breakthrough or whatever they were fasting for. Because Mary, mother of God, had asked us to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, the best fast being bread and water. Okay. So that's kind of, I grew up with that. So Megan, the funniest thing is that I would try to do it even on bread and water. And I would get the store-bought bread. Nobody told me that that's not the greatest bread to eat. And then I would eat that and I would get really hungry during the day. So I'd eat more bread and I'd be like, no, I'm not doing this because this isn't fitting into my diet mentality. This isn't good. And then I felt super guilty because then I thought, oh my gosh, I love food more than God. So I am a horrible person, by the way. So, I mean, it was just like the guilt, the shame, and all of it was rolling around. Well, when I entered the life coach school, I learned about food and I learned about real whole food. She was talking about the difference between a donut and a piece of broccoli or a piece of chicken and what that actually does to your hormones in your body and how if you are having that bread from the store that has glyphosate in it, she was actually saying exactly what some store-bought bread has. It raises your insulin quite a bit, which you're sugar burning at this point. And so it turns into glucose in your system. And then the insulin response happens. And then you use what you've eaten for energy and the rest is stored as fat. So insulin being the major fat storing hormone. Okay. My eyes were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And I was really excited. And then she went into leptin and ghrelin and how this leptin, which basically says that you're full and you should go move now, is blocked with the brain when there's too much insulin. So therefore you're never full, according to your brain. Let's just go to the couch. And then your ghrelin is high and, and on overdrive and you're always hungry. So I, I finally discovered that, oh my gosh, this is biological, number one, because the food that I'm eating, even if I was on, I was on like keto diets all the time. And I'm like, 
a keto diet to me was, I don't know, I, keto bars wasn't really healthy. I didn't realize the chemicals in there were affecting my hormones. I had no idea. I had been on and off birth control. I had no idea that all of these things were affecting inflammation in my body, just all of it. And so I had imbalanced hormones. I had no idea. I had never heard of really insulin except for like diabetes type two. Mm-hmm. Like I had, I, and I thought, well, I don't do insulin. I mean, it's so funny here. I was a degreed engineer and also a teaching degree as well. And I thought, how could I have missed all of this information? So I learned that when I became a weight loss life coach with the life coach school. So that was a whole year. And I learned about these hormones, but then with the Catholic end of it, it's the soul work as well. And I had no idea that this diet mentality just leaves God out of everything. And I was trying to white knuckle it and do it myself. And I had no idea that underneath, deep down, my thinking was pretty bad when it came to my thoughts of the diet mentality. Like I have to be thin, but I never, ever defined thin. (laughs) I never defined thin. People say they want to be happy, rich, and thin. People don't define happy. They don't define rich and they don't define thin. They just think if I'm rich and thin, then I will be happy. A lot of women feel that way. When the truth is, is that as women, we want to be beautiful. We want to be true and we want to be good. That's how God created us. We want to see this beauty, but what is real beauty inside and out? What is the truth? What is the goodness? That's the soul part that we're actually reaching for. And that's the only part that it's going to make us happy. Mm-hmm. And that's where actually we're rich as well. Then it's just whatever you really want to make of it. And I always still use the word then because women, when we start out, we use the word then. But as we journey through this spiritual fasting delay and pray program that I've developed, we get to fit, fit for the kingdom, mm-hmm. fit God. And now mm-hmm. I'm fit and mm-hmm. I am, you know, I'm going to be 60 years old in a year. And we live on a lake and I want to be able to grab the kayaks in and out of the water for my grandchildren. I love to kayak. I love to bike. I love to hike. I love to play pickleball. I love to do all of these really awesome things. I love to lift weights and I eat really good natural food. That's the whole process is delaying the sugar, flour, and alcohol during the week till Sundays. And that is because our program is basically on an eat fast feast cycle. So we eat normally on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. We fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, and then we feast on Sundays, which includes Saturday nights. So by limiting or eliminating the sugar, flour, and alcohol during the week, but you can actually just kind of keep it very low if you need to. You get into a state of ketosis and fat adaption, which is really good for you and feels amazing and the health benefits are amazing, but then you can sugar burn a little bit on the weekend. So then what happens is you're becoming metabolically flexible. So you can kind of go in and out in a really healthy state over time. It takes time. It takes mm-hmm. time because at first when we're feasting on Sundays, we're going to overeat because we're like, it's Sunday. <laughs> so, and then you're like, oh, but it mm-hmm. takes a while to to shift your thinking to what is feasting. Mm, that's yeah. a good point. I really like this idea of teaching women to feast well, <laughs> not to think it's something we just always have to avoid, but being able to enter into it in in a, like a holy way. Yeah. So the first thing we're doing is if you're Catholic, you're Christian, first thing you're going to church or mass and you're feasting on the Eucharist or you're feasting on the word of God and you're feasting on him and you're not working. Mm-hmm. 
you're really resting with your family and connection. That's really what we talk about is feasting on connecting with others and loving others. And this truth that it's in front of us with Jesus Christ and his glorious mother and the Holy spirit and all the saints and all the angels and and really getting into the spiritual realm on Sundays and then being able to eat a little bit of sugar or flour or alcohol or a little bit of all of it but it is in moderate amounts. That just takes a while to learn. And then the eating days, everything is geared toward the fast days of Wednesdays and Fridays. So what we start is we delay sugar, flour, and alcohol all week until Saturday night and Sunday. But on Wednesdays and Fridays, we actually go down to maybe one meal or one and a half meals. And then we take out the meat out of those days. And those are your fasting days. And what's left when you're super hungry, you go to prayer, you're going to God. You just naturally go to God. And so we have a very big foundation of the sacraments that we try to go to daily mass. We go to adoration once a week, confession once a month, and as many church activities and scriptural things that we can go to instead of fitting the church into your life. It's literally wrapping your life around the church. And so my goal is to get a million Catholics back to the Catholic faith through spiritual fasting. And it is amazing. I mean, it just changes your whole life. It flips dieting on its head. Mm. because Dieting is a lie. It's from the evil one. He, mm. It's just a lie. It, it's because we're white knuckling and we're trying to do it ourselves and we're not inviting God into that struggle. Once we invite him into the weight struggle, then what happens is we are so excited even day one, because even though like I was 30 pounds heavier than I am now, well, even day one, when I started that, I was struggling. I wanted the sugar, but I said I wasn't going to eat it. And I have a food protocol. So I wrote out my food protocol and I failed, mm. but it doesn't matter because the Lord took my intention and mm. he did something with that, that I won't know until I get to heaven that what did he do with that intention? And then I just got up the next day and tried again. And mm. I got up the next day, tried again. So day one, day two, and day three mean as much as today when I can fast easily now because the Lord takes our efforts. He's so generous. He loves us so much. He just wants us to start. We talk about that a lot. In a diet, you're just trying to get to the end. I want to get to where the 30 pounds is gone. <laughs> but in spiritual fasting, if you're doing it for part of like a weight loss program, all of it is worth it because you're really doing it for someone else. And the weight loss becomes just a side benefit, but it's a great fit benefit. It's a fitness benefit. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful to help women see the value of every step along the way and not just feel like you just got to get to the end. As you said, you use that term white knuckling. So you've already sort of touched on this, but for the women that have struggled with a history of disordered eating, really struggled with body image, what kind of mindset things, are there any alterations or ways to help them more gently enter this process? Or is it kind of a one size fits all approach? Definitely not a one size fits all approach, but I will tell you that I don't normally work with alcoholics or somebody that has a severe alcohol problem or eating disorders. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. And when I talk about overeating and over drinking, it's for people who have non-diagnosed mild addictions. So in other words, I would call myself back then a sugar addict because it was really hard for me to stop. And in fact, I would have that cascade of chemicals when I was feeling like if I had a bad day or that's an emotion is a cascade of chemicals in your body. If I had a bad day, if something was going on, I would just want to go for the M&Ms. In fact, I would drive myself to Walgreens to get them, which was down the road. 
that was fascinating to me. I'd almost shake in order to, to go get it. Okay. But I wasn't binging on like bags of M&Ms, like bags and bags and bags, and nor was I throwing up or anything like that. So that's something that I, I coach women who are mildly addicted to sugar and they want to stop. Then the other side of it is the alcohol. And, and so what was really hard for me on Fridays was giving up my couple glasses of wine. It wasn't a bottle of wine, wasn't two bottles of wine, but it was just some wine. And I was like, I can't give that up. I have had end of the week, happy hour. That's part of my life. How do I give that up? So I had to coach hard on that. I had a coach. I always have a coach, but I had to coach hard on giving that to God and delaying that. And now I do not drink on Fridays and I don't drink on Wednesdays or Fridays, but Wednesdays were easy, but Fridays were very hard. And I don't do that anymore. I haven't had a drink on a Friday in 2023, except for one vacation day that I planned and wasn't worth it. So if I hope that answers your question, but for women who have body image problems, for sure, it's about food freedom and it's about setting your mind free. It's a mindset type of thing where instead of thinking, this is terrible. I don't know how to do this. I don't think I can. This is so hard. This is challenging. I'm not enough. I hate myself. All of those things. We shift that into definitely being enough and that the struggle is worth so much in God's eyes. He wants us to bring him our weaknesses. He loves us in our poverty. So we are strong in our weakness. So we bring our weakness and we say, Lord, I can't do it. Only you can. And then you let him work, you know, his miracle through you, not only for others, but for your weight loss as well. And you will see that since we are created in his image, we do, we do start to think of ourselves as created in his image and that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we start to treat our bodies a little bit differently. Wow. Yes. So I imagine there are common stories that women tell themselves that you, as you work with women, you see, oh, yep, I've heard that one before. I've heard that one before. So I can imagine an instance in, you know, that woman who it's, it's my time for M&Ms and I deserve this. Right. I can't get over this. I don't have the willpower. Can you give some examples of like how you actually help women shift those thoughts? Yeah. Okay. So one of the big ones is we will often have a thought I call it like a toddler thought. That's a, let's pen for Castillo. And the toddler thought is just this thought that is kind of from the fall of Adam and Eve. It's from that time because we are fallen individuals that, you know, I don't want to, like, I don't want to, it's just a lot. Of, it's so hard and I don't want to, I mean, we are in a culture of instant gratification. So that is very common. And so what you have to ask yourself is why not? So we do these kind of seven levels of why. So why? Well, because it's challenging. Why is it challenging? Well, because I'm used to eating them. Well, why are you used to eating them? Because I've, I don't know, M&Ms are just something I absolutely love. Why do you love them? Mm -hmm. And you can do this to yourself and you'll just get down to the point of, I really don't love them. It, they're just sugar. Like what's happening? What's no, I, okay, wait. And then all of a sudden you'll get to a point where you're like, okay, is this biological? Is it psychological? Is it physiological? Like, where are we on this? Mm -hmm. And then you get to do the great experiment of why you're actually going for those M&Ms. And, and at first, can you substitute cucumbers with sea salt? What, what does that do to your mind? What does that do to your, to your mindset? Like for me, why do I have to have cucumbers with sea salt? It's, it's all about this shifting the mindset to 
cucumbers and sea salt are a gift. They're just amazing. If I'm on a bad day, they're my go-to now. You know, it's that type of thing. And it's shifting out of this poor me, why me? I don't want to, I can't do it. It's too challenging. It's too hard. Those are devastating thoughts that, that a lot of times they're just within us and we just have to find them and coach them out and shift them into something that is serving us. I am enough. I am more than enough with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of scripture. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. We have to start with being self-aware. Why do we not love ourselves? What is it? What is it in there that's keeping us from actually embracing the amazing woman that we are? And what's happening? What's underneath all of that? And we coach on that. But at the same time, the hormones are huge. You can't manage the mind without managing the body. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that being said, with those hormones, have you noticed changes throughout the menstrual cycle where there's, there's times when it's more challenging to fast maybe uh, based on, yeah. Would you speak a little more into that? Oh yeah, that's there. So when we are having our menstrual cycle, there are times when we want carbs and we crave them and our body wants them. And you may be more versed at this than me, but what I've read and what people have told me about this is that our body just wants that extra energy And so we tend to crave chocolate. We tend to crave these high carb items. So what I've been teaching in my program is that, so what will you reach for? Like, will you reach for the donut or will you reach for the dark chocolate? There are options that you can reach for that are more healthy than others. So that's very interesting. I call it the great experiment. I'm always calling it the great experiment because this is a journey And so balancing your hormones, losing the weight you want to lose, finding that optimal health, getting off of all of your meds, trying to figure out how to serve your family the best and be the healthiest in body and soul that you can be. That's a great experiment. And what works for me might not work for you. You're so unique. Mm -hmm. You're so unique. So I don't think that's deniable that when you're having your period, you know, for me, I wanted chocolate and diet Coke. So tell me a little bit about that. What do you know about it? So my biggest reference here is Dr. Stacey Sims, who's actually a sports nutritionist. And her research has shown that women have a harder time accessing carbs post-ovulation. Oh. So sometimes that craving is the body needs to be able to burn carbs and they can't access it from their own bodies. So they start craving it. Mm. Um, so again, yes, really being intentional then, like what can we do? to make sure when we're choosing those carbs, we're choosing carbs that are still serving us and not just, just for the pleasure aspect. Food is obviously pleasure. Like it is pleasurable. God made it it pleasurable, but you can change your palate, which is beautiful. So, okay. One of my favorite carbs is a potato, a white potato. I love a loaded white potato and it's much better than a bag of M&Ms on the healthy scale. Mm -hmm. And I've come to wait for that, that, but, but I can't eat potatoes a lot. They'll make me gain weight, but other people, I have other clients that they like and eat a potato every single day and they're not gaining any weight. So it's just depending on, so that glycemic index that we have always kind of been accustomed to, that's not always true for everybody. It's Mm -hmm. just, everybody needs to know that when you look that up, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's relatively true, but it could be very different between like our DNA and our body type. It could be very different. So it's going for the homemade bread. Like when I fast on bread and water, I fast on homemade spelt bread 
which mm. the spelt has a wheat berry in it. Mm-hmm. It's not void of nutrients. It's very nutritious. Mm-hmm. And so, and anything you can make homemade is better than buying it from the store with chemicals in it. I'm sure you guys talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's that it's your choice of carb. Like, what are you going to, what you going to go for? Sure. Yeah. My two cents when it comes to that, that whole food idea, as I remember once upon a time reading, I believe a St. Catherine of Siena and how there was a time in her life where she would only consume the Eucharist and bone broth. Mm-hmm. And everything like, how did she not die? Like, this is truly a miracle. And then I also came to understand, like when they had bone broth, it was this nutrient packed source of it, you know, straight from the animal. There's collagen, there's fiber, there's fats. Whereas when I think bone broth, I think of the Campbell soup, (laughs) sodium water, whatever that is. So truly helping people understand there's difference in the quality of these products. And as much as we can incorporate these nutrient dense sources, the better. So I think that was interesting too. have the bread you make sounds delicious and definitely easy. Mm -hmm. I can think of just a store-bought white bread. There's really nothing to it. It's not going to fool you at all. No, and actually it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not good for you. It's just not, there's all kinds of ingredients and chemicals in there and glyphosate, which is just another subject, but it's kind of looking into all of this food that we're eating and trying to choose the healthiest food that we can, the protein, the fat, the fiber. We are a country that is void of fiber. So like avocados, that's like my magical food. Um, It helps me lose weight. It helps me stay stable. I eat a lot of them and it's huge in calories and it just does everything for my body and brain and soul. And so it's not about the old eat less, exercise more. That is bunk. That is not right. I eat so much and I've lost 30 pounds, but it's a lot of salads. It's a lot of bowls. I love bowls. It's trying new and interesting vegetables, grass-fed beef and chicken I buy from the store. It's hard to find. I live in Michigan, but it's just searching out this really healthy, wholesome food to feed my body and my soul. Because what people don't understand too is, so how many Catholics go to confessions and confess gluttony? or sloth. I would confess that. And then I'd be like, okay, nothing's happening. Well, what I didn't realize is if I'm consuming sugar all the time and I'm consuming fast food and processed food that has all kinds of chemicals in it, that's making me hungry. And it's making me over desire these food. Cause that's what they're, they're marketed and they're processed and manufactured to create more desire for you to have more to come back. Okay. So then it creates the overdesire, creates the overhunger, creates the overeating, and we're in this cycle. And that creates the gluttony because gluttony is overconsumption. And as Catholic women and men, we're kind of sad and we were filled with shame because we can't do it. And we're like, why do I keep being this gluttonous person when actually the food is actually forcing us around this circle. The first two weeks is hard, but once we can start shifting our food into health and balancing our hormones, get that leptin really working, get the ghrelin really working, get the insulin down and not coming out all the time because we eat meals and we do this whole fasting chart, but we started at 12-12, which is just 12 hours of sleeping, (laughs) 12 hours of eating, three meals, no snacks. Some of my clients stay at 12, 12, because some of them are breastfeeding. Some of them are trying to get pregnant, but some of them move to a 16, eight, and then they just add an hour, kind of a little chart and they find their sweet spot. I, right now I'm at a 20 hour fast. 
and then a four eating window. And then on fasting days, like today, I will go just like the one hour window. But I had, I had a few eggs this morning because I was hungry because I wasn't able to eat dinner last night. It's a fluke. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to deny myself. Like I I can, but today I was like, listen, I have this interview really hungry from yesterday and eat much. I know it's a fasting day, but I'm going to have these couple eggs. And it made me feel really good. And I sit before, I'm really not even hungry, but we're going to have a really good little bit of fish tonight. And so that's it. It's taking care of your body. It's not doing too much. You know what I mean? The virtues are practiced in the moderation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up. It's really good to hear that you're still encouraging women to listen to what they need. And obviously that's going to change at various seasons of life. So postpartum or trying to achieve a pregnancy, that's going to look a lot different than perhaps a woman who has gone through menopause already. So how do you uh, help women navigate when to remain firm? to the plans they've outlined and when they can kind of listen to their bodies and their circumstances to know if they should back off. Oh, that's like every day because things come up. But part of this is we create a food protocol because one of the things we, we want to do is write our food down. And I know that doesn't sound like food freedom, but we all have a schedule. So like if I didn't put this podcast into my schedule. And I was just going to remember like, I'll remember it'll be fine. That's that's who would do that. Nobody, nobody's going to remember. Okay. So the thing is we have a food protocol. We write down our food and then we plan it ahead of time using our prefrontal cortex, because that way we don't use mental energy trying to figure out, should I eat? What should I eat? Should I not eat? You're not leaving it up to chance. You're going to be honest with yourself because honesty is one of the best things you can do is show up for yourself first and be brutally honest with yourself and what you're eating and what you're not eating. And then what's going to happen is you start showing up brutally honest with other people. So you start canceling appointments. You're like, I committed to this and I'm going to do this. So that's one of the nice things about a food protocol. But now you have anniversaries coming up. You have kids that are sick. You might be sick. Kids up during the night. We know if you don't get a lot of sleep, you're going to be hungrier the next day. Then it's all about choices that we just talked about. Do I want the potato or am I going to go down to the store and get a donut? Because your brain might, you might have a well-worn neural pathway, a reward pathway that says the donut will be so good with my coffee and I'm so tired. But the thing is you could do something else. You could have a piece of homemade toast with a little bit of butter on it and a little jam. I mean, that's going to be your better option and it's going to actually make you feel better. And then that donut you can have on Sunday if you really want it. Mm-hmm. It's making all of these choices and life comes up. I mean, it just comes up day after day. Things come up. You get tired, you get sick. Bone broth is huge, huge. Bone broth should be a staple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I really have grown to love bone broth. So we're going to make these small choices every day that will eventually help us to a place of more metabolic flexibility was, I believe, the term you used either. Yeah. We're hormone nerds here. What yeah. are we training our hormones to do when we keep our bodies in a more metabolically flexible state? Okay, this is my opinion. <laughs> I think we are trying to stay as balanced as possible in a, like a homeostasis type of state where, where our bodies want to stay. So mm-hmm. I read a book a while back called Dopamine Nation, by, I think it's Anna Lemke. Did you read it? I've heard the title, but no, I haven't read it. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, it's not for everyone. She's a psychologist and she deals with some sexually explicit things in there, which it's, it's anyway, (laughs) but when I was listening to her on a podcast, 
I understood now why that was in there. And basically what she's saying is it's all about the dopamine. Like we're a dopamine nation. In other words, we're fed dopamine through our phones. It's instant gratification gives us these really big spikes of dopamine. I call it cheap dopamine. We have sugar, like a lot of sugar, like a donut. It's a spike in the dopamine. So you're like, oh, that was so good. A piece of pizza or three beers with the pizza. Ooh, spike in dopamine. Well, what she's saying is there is this balance and you have, it's called the plenty paradox or the pain and pleasure. And we know they're co-located in the brain, right? That pain and pleasure part. And when you have the pleasure and you go down on the pleasure, like an anvil. So you're like, it goes right down. Well, then you, your body needs to go into homeostasis. So it grabs the pain. And so you go into a dip, which is like another craving. So you're going to want more. You're not going to want to stop. This isn't for everyone, but it it can be for food. It can be for scrolling on your phone. It can be for whatever that cheap dopamine. It's a quick hit. It's a short term. And so your body just wants to stay in balance. What I've learned is my evenings were the worst in wanting to have a glass of wine and some cheese with my husband because we are empty nesters and we live on a lake and it just sounded so nice and it sounds so innocent, but I was trying not to do that during the week. So what I did was here's the expensive dopamine, which means you need effort to get it. And that's like working out um, a rosary with my husband, pickleball on Friday nights, journaling and going over my protocol for the day, pleasurable religious reading, like historical fiction, playing cards, going to the golf range, going to Beacon, which is our gym. They have like a really nice track and either taking a class or walking the track, going to master adoration, going to, there's a theater down the road, seeing a play, any kind of church events that are going on. And then all of my saved exercises from my Instagram account (laughs) that I just like to kind of dabble in for 10 minutes. Those are all what I call expensive dopamine. And what happens is instead of going to the food and the alcohol, I'm going to these, this movement without the food and alcohol. And what's happening is it's just giving me a little bit of dopamine, but that means that the pleasure is just a little bit, it's really good pleasure, but it's just, it bends the scale just a tiny bit. So then the pain, then Mm -hmm. it's not too much. Then you kind of want more. You're thinking, I'm playing the pickleball and thinking, I want pizza, but it's okay. Like, no, I can have that on Sunday. And so it's this interesting homeostasis with all of the hormones being balanced. And then if we press on the pain a little bit, then you have more pleasure. And by pressing on the pain, that's the fasting. So you're Mm -hmm. getting hungry for God. I want to call it dining in with Jesus because you're dining (laughs) in with some fat or fat, but So you're pressing on the pain a little bit on that side, and then you're going to have more pleasure to compensate for that. And so you're just going to feel so good with the endorphins and the natural dopamine, all the hormones that are coming through your body at that time. This is, I think, how we were created. Like, I'm just kind of discovering all of this. I don't know where this else is. I, I just am discovering it all. And I am writing a book. It's going to be out February 1st. I'm using a lot of resources, but it's working for me. It's working for my clients. and it's just being God focused in food freedom and balancing the hormones. And actually I'd like to know more about hormones. I I was looking through your website. I was like, this Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. I think, I think as women, there's such a need to get into this and teach our children, teach our Mm -hmm. children. Truly, truly. I really love that idea. Like understanding that there are different ways to get dopamine and we're going to have some reactions that are more quick and intense and some that are going to be slower, but those slower, smaller reactions are what are going to help us in the long run, be able to keep us in homeostasis. Cause those are the things that are more stable, more sustaining. 
Those are the responses, the behaviors, the choices that are actually going to help us sustain the health we're after, the satisfaction we're after, and the lifestyle we're after, it sounds like. Yes, yes. And I think this is also where if you can live this type of a spiritual fasting lifestyle and actually be also praying about your body, like Lord, lead me to where you need me to go with any type of health situation, then when you go to your doctor when you are more balanced, something else is off. He or she may be able to find that problem Mm. a lot quicker Mm. Mm -hmm. because you're balanced a little bit more. You're in homeostasis most of the time, but you know something isn't quite right. So maybe it is your thyroid. Maybe it is something else. Maybe you need to do these underlying tests and not just the CBC panel. It's just that interesting. I think it's helpful all the way around in body and soul to keep fit so that you can live out your mission before God. And I think that's the body image that we want is this beautiful body image of looking how we would love to look, which then is just, it's the wrong word. It's really fit. I'd like to know your thoughts on that because some thin people can be very unhealthy. This whole race to be thin is crazy. Mm -hmm. I think it's done us a disservice. I would agree. So when I was growing up, I grew up in the nineties and heard a lot about like fat is bad, fat is bad, fat, like literally eating fat, like all your food should be low fat foods. And so then coming into my young adult years, I had very irregular periods. And looking back, I'm very convinced it's because I was very active, but then also not nourishing myself in the way I thought I needed to be nourished. So even though I was eating quote unquote healthy, it wasn't that nutrient dense enough food that my body was getting the macronutrients, micronutrients it needed to feel quote unquote safe enough to ovulate. So even though I was happy with how I looked, my body through my cycle was telling me, you don't have what you need to ovulate. Um, And ovulation we can use as a sign of health to indicate that our body's getting the nutrition it needs, the sleep it needs, stress is under control. It kind of is this anchor we can use to monitor these other areas of well-being. So if we're just going by the number on the scale or how I look in the mirror, we've all been there, Mm -hmm. but our body's going to give us these other clues and we want to kind of put those puzzle pieces together to understand our fitness versus just our body image. So that's kind of what it calls to mind for me, if there's more pieces to the puzzle, and I hope women can learn to trust that. Yes. And I, I love that. I love that whole scenario. And I think one of the easiest ways to think about this too, and I think I got this from Dr. Lustig from a book called Fat Chance. I think he's the one that said too much sugar, too little fiber. Mm-hmm. Because if you're eating a lot of processed food, And then you come home and you're either opening a jar or something, a package, and you're not getting much nutrients. It's the absence of good nutrients and good fiber in our bodies. And that leads to a lot of health problems and a lot of weight gain. And Mm. I think probably imbalance of hormones. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Actually, one of our, our foundational aspects that we educate women on is gut health. Yeah. There's just that important link for all. I mean, it has, not only does your gut have to be able to absorb the nutrients we need, but the microbiome, it's going to be responsible for helping create hormones and manage your vitamins and minerals. And it's linked to mood and immune system. And there's so many strings that it's attached to in terms of our health, our gut is. So we, we, we can focus on gut health. We can focus on managing inflammation. We can focus on supporting the liver. 
And then our last staple as hormone coaches is how do we take care of our adrenals Mm. and all these other aspects, the result will help us towards healthier sex hormones. So that's again, where we're using ovulation as a sign of health to better indicate, am I taking care of my other areas of well-being? And if so, I will likely see that in a healthy cycle. I love that. This is where the spiritual fasting can come in. When you actually revolve your life around the sacraments, you don't have to go to everyday daily mass, but let's say you don't go to any daily mass and you just put, this is how I start my clients out, just one a week for the first year, then two, the second year, then three, and you add until you're a daily mass goer. It's easy to do. It takes time. It's going to take you five or six years to do it, but it's easy to do. And then what happens is I always say, when you spend time with Jesus, you bend time with Jesus. So what happens is you're in there and you think, ah, time. Yeah. and then you're in there and then he makes this miraculous way for you to actually make up that time times two. Mm-hmm. And it's phenomenal. It's miraculous. Of course he is. He just wants to see you face to face. And when you go in, he will make up that time for you. And then he will help you figure out how to balance your hormones and, and how to get the food and how to make the time to prep it and how to rest. And what made me think of this was you're talking about adrenals, which makes me think of like cortisol and just all the things that are going to that. And so What's interesting is I'm able to rest more mm-hmm. and get mm-hmm. more done. I know mm-hmm. that sounds counterintuitive, but by really studying my body and by really studying and really going to the sacraments and studying scripture and really looking into the body soul composite, mm-hmm. I think my whole body, instead of like, hurry, go, because I used to just be like, I was working so hard, just slow down. And just listen to God and he's going to kind of lead you in these ways that are so healthy and beautiful. And he Mm -hmm. makes more time for you. So spend time with Jesus, bend time with Jesus. And he he is going to bend the time. He's going to give you more time than you can Mm -hmm. even imagine. For all of these really wonderful, expensive dopamine experiences of connection and people and community, so much more important than this overconsumption of sugar, flour, and alcohol. Mm. Well, thank you, Beth. And I just wanted you to clarify for us when you're working with clients, um, do you do group coaching one-on-one, a little bit of both? What what does your program look like? Yeah, I do group coaching now. The first one, the actual course starts January 15th and goes all the way through Lent. And you can find those on my website, which is thecatholicfastingcoach.com. I also have a blog on my website, a newsletter, recipes. Instagram is really kind of where I live, but I'm also on Facebook In Pinterest, there's a lot of recipes and things on there, but it's phenomenal. So come into the group. The beautiful thing about the group is that that it's probably kind of like yours because yours is group, right? The certification program is specifically a group. Sometimes coaches will opt to do one-on-one eventually, but yes, we definitely value the community experience. Yeah, that community experience for spiritual fasting is everybody is going through the same thing. So when somebody's getting coached, because I coach twice a week, I coach on Mondays and Wednesdays in the program. And then I have a six module course that I'm adding to as well. The beautiful 232 page workbook with journal and food protocols and all of that. And so when I'm coaching during the week, they're like, wow, she's having this problem too. And it's in the replays. They're always on the modules too. So it's great. We're growing and it's a great place place to be. So yeah. Sounds amazing. So thank you for your time, Beth. Some words for her Instagram are, this is a place to go if you want to spiritually and physically fast to lose weight permanently while exploding your prayer life, which I think sounds phenomenal. It's like a grace bomb. So continue to check out Beth's work. And Beth, I just want to thank you for your time. 
and hopefully we'll cross paths again. We will, Megan. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and are ready to ditch that diet mentality for spiritual fasting. Please share this with your friends if it was inspiring for you so that others will hear the great message of permanent weight loss by learning to fast off that sugar, that flour, and that alcohol just during the week. That's all. And especially on Wednesdays and Fridays. Our whole world needs us to fast and pray right now. This is the answer. Have a great week, my friends. Keep praying and fasting, and I will talk to you next week. May God bless you and keep you always. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a 12-week guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you, to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always.